It is 7.05 and a half on this, the, uh, is it Wednesday? Last day of summer. Wah, wah. We're into fall as of 10.21 tomorrow. It's amazing how they can nail down to the minute, but they can't predict weather the next day. Whatever. I'm just saying, last show of the summer, big fella. Uh, here the employment hour tonight, and of course, Monday nights we're on as well at 7 o'clock. If you caught that show, good to be back with you. And the weekend shows will be there as well. The number right away, one 821 5900 That's Lior's number. And anytime you want to uh, shoot an email across to us uh, tonight, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Phone lines are open here at the radio station. You can call with uh, your questions, your your queries. Your heartaches when it comes to employment and severance will answer them all, or at least Lior will answer them all tonight. And we'll get to the week that was. That's how we start every show. Yeah, that's right, Johnny. Thank you very much. Always uh, great to be back here on the Wednesday to talk about employment law, workplace rights. Hopefully we can take a bunch of questions today, hopefully help some people get some answers and inform the public. Everyone needs to know about workplace rights. It's important. We work. We have jobs. We have rights. The laws actually are quite good when it comes to employment law, but the law can't help you if you don't know what the law is. And that's what we're here to do, to to inform people. And uh, let's start off with a couple of situations. And uh, I've talked before, John, on the show about situations where it's better to uh, to quit than to continue yep. working. And these uh, matters I'm going to talk to you about fall in that category for different reasons, but they're all in that ma- under that category. The first matter involved a gentleman that had contacted me when the company, a very small company, uh, went to him and all the other employees and said, we need you all to take pay cuts. And uh, the pay cuts, depending on the employee, was anywhere from 20 to 30%, significant, mm, a lot time. of money. Now, uh, of the employees, I think there were seven or eight of them, uh, he was the only one that didn't want to do it. He was the only one that, that decided he can't do it. He contacted me, and I told him, no, you don't have to do it. And that's a constructive dismissal. An employer, if your employer reduces your pay that way, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal, leave and get your severance. And that's what he did. He left. We got him severance. It wasn't very complicated. We negotiated a very good severance package for him, and, and that's fine. Well, what's unique about this case is in this, this week, just this past week, I found out that the company now let go four other people. They actually let go. I guess they're not doing too well. And of the other people that remained, they let go four people. Now, they contacted me. Of course. And unfortunately for them, I'm going to be able to get them severance, of course. However, it's going to be based on the new salary. Oops. They all took 20 to 30% reduction. That was only a couple months back. But because of that, now their severance is going to be less as well. So they're regretting actually not leaving back then because then they would have been uh, entitled to more severance. So remember, for our listeners, if your employer wants to reduce your pay, one of the the issues with that is, number one, if you are let go down the road, now your severance is based on this lower pay. In addition to that, if you let them reduce your pay, you give them the right to do it again. So always a bad thing to do. In in that situation, certainly it was better for this guy to quit than to continue working. And you see, you know, yeah. when it's when it's something like that, you figure if, if they want to across the board knock down everyone's pay by thirty percent, the writing's kind of on the wall that things aren't doing too well. Get out. Yeah, no, no one does that because things are great, business is booming. <laughs> Let's reduce pay by thirty percent. You're right. It's probably better to get out while there's still money there to pay you. Uh, and uh, so, in, in this case, unfortunately for these gentlemen, it's going to mean less severance. Uh, but you know, it, there's a very important lesson there. The second matter, again. When someone was far better off quitting, but for very, very different reasons, John, uh, involved a lady who for a long time, months and months, perhaps even longer than that, was harassed in the workplace in, in a very uh, nasty way. And over those few months, she had taken off um, disability, disability leaves a number of times, 
back and forth from work, tried to deal with it, couldn't, eventually contacted me and was literally miserable. She was crying. She was a wreck. And I said, no matter what, whatever we have to do from a legal standpoint, you have to get out of there. Yeah. It's, it's for your own help. And she did. And I, I treated that as a constructive dismissal and I got her compensation and, and and ended up really well. But fast forward now, this happened some months ago. Fast forward to this week. I spoke to her on the phone this week and she has another job. She is happier than ever. She's a whole new person. Uh, she, she really is night and day from the person that I met uh, a few months back that was miserable. Uh, best decision that she's ever made, at least according to her, to leave, not only get compensation, move on with her life, find another job. So definitely a, a classic example of where it's better to leave and to quit than to continue working. Uh, and remember, if you're being harassed, if you're being mistreated in the workplace, you don't have to just grin and bear it. There is something you can do about it. Give us a call. Happy to help you. And that's what you should be doing before you make any sort of move. In either case, is call that number, 1-855-821-5900. It's Lior at EmploymentHour.com. Phone lines are wide open, ready to take your calls. You know that number, 870-6400-STAR-640 on cell. Employment Hour continues here on your Wednesday evening talk radio, AM640. It is 714 Wednesday evening here on the Employment Hour. We do this Wednesday and Monday nights at 7 o'clock. And, of course, the weekend shows, yep, 416-870-6400-STAR-640 on cell, always get to our uh, faithful callers right off the hop. Jeffrey in Maple, how are you, pal? Good, thank you. So I have a question from an employer standpoint. Good. I have an employee who's falling asleep at their desk, and they have a note from their doctor saying that they either suffer or could be suffering from sleep apnea. They're going to go for a sleep study. And I'm wondering if there's any way to force them to go on disability or do something without triggering a human rights violation or, or uh, you know, a wrongful dismissal because it's kind of disrupting for a person to be falling asleep at their desk and other people are going yeah. like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Is there also any, any safety concerns given the guy's uh, job or is it more no. of, a, of a desk job? No, it's a desk job. It's a desk job. Yeah, and and so so that's that's good. At least there's no safety issues. If it's no, safety, no safety, that 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 always triggers it. Always a main uh, issue. But the thing is, obviously, from your perspective, you're an employer. It's unfair to you and the to the colleagues that he's working with. They have an employee that that's falling asleep, that's not working. And I think it's absolutely appropriate for you to send uh, this employee a letter uh, and saying that you know you, he is expected. To to uh, to do work while he's at work. If he requires a form of accommodation, uh, if there's anything that you could do to help him with respect to maybe somewhat change of an hours, you can tell him that you can look at that. But otherwise, uh, he's expected to to be able to work while he's at work, and he would you would like for him to to either do that or provide you something from a doctor. Uh, ideally, you would want a doctor to clear him to return to work. You can't force him to go off on disability, but you can tell him that he's not going to come back to work until a, either he confirms or a doctor confirms that he can do the work, that he's not going to be falling asleep. Um, and I think it's as long as you make an offer to accommodate to the extent that accommodation is possible, then you're, you're staying clear of any human rights violations. So don't make it just, well, you know, you, you're, you're falling asleep, so off you go. You're falling asleep. We have concerns. We're willing to accommodate if possible. But if there's no accommodation possible, then you need to come back when you're ready to work, when you're healthy to work. That's the way I would phrase it. Okay. Does, uh, does that thing with the doctor, I mean, it, 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 well, if they say, you know, come back when you have proof from a doctor, if he does that, in that meantime, does he have to pay him? 
No. Uh, ah. if, if an employee cannot work, he doesn't get paid. However, he there's several options. The employer itself may have a, a short-term disability plan, so if the employee may qualify for that, they may have a sick day plan, or he also can qualify for EI uh, sick leave benefits, which can pay you for up to three months or so uh, if you can't work because of a medical condition. So there's various avenues that are available to the employee where the employee can get paid. But no, the employer is not required to pay an employee that doesn't come into work, irrespective of what the reason. This is a legitimate reason. The employee didn't do anything wrong. He has a medical condition, but still the employer doesn't have to pay. But on the flip side of that, of course, the, it's not the employer's fault either. So the employer doesn't have to tolerate and pay an employee that's at work sleeping at their right. desk. So, you know, we have to balance both the employer and the employee rights in this situation. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Tell me a little bit about that severance pay calculator. Never heard of it, John. Okay, and we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so the severance pay calculator, uh, for, for those that uh, have not heard the show before, but it's always an important reminder. If you lost your job, you need to understand, of course, how much you're owed, how much compensation you're owed. A wrongful dismissal is simply a situation where you have been let go without the compensation that you're owed. And guess what, John? Most people, over 90% of people, uh, are, are wrongfully dismissed when they lose their job because they're not paid or offered proper compensation. That's what the severance calculator does. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com, find out how much you're owed if you lost your job. It's a very, very good tool. It's really easy to use. It's completely free. It's anonymous. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment and find out how much you're owed. Don't be wrongfully dismissed. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com and tell others about it as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Got uh, Fred on the 401. Hi, Fred. Good evening. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Uh, perfect. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. I do. Um, I, I have a guy that works for me. He's a good employee, nice guy, uh, reliable and everything like that. Um, he's been with me for a few years now. Uh, he's a very heavy guy, and he's having a problem uh, with his knee. And it's because of his weight. And uh, I was wondering if it's impacting his job. Performance. Uh, is there anything I can do about it? Yeah, and certainly there is. And as I was telling our, our previous caller, if it's impacting his job, you know, as as an employer, you do have a, a right to expect that the employee is going to be able to do the job for which you're paying the employee. Now, to the extent that you're able to provide some sort of a accommodation, so maybe it's a, a situation where you can allow him to sit more often or, or provide him with some help that would uh, you know relieve some of the pressure off his knee, you're obliged to do that. So you, you should an, an explore those opportunities with him. You may even do that uh, either in consultation with him or he may provide some information from his doctor as to the type of accommodation that, that he's uh, entitled to, to have. If there's no possible accommodation and he still cannot do his job, you're allowed to say, I can't have you here until you're able to come back and do the job. That is your call. You certainly don't have to do that. But first step is see what can accommodation can be provided in order to allow him to continue working. Second step, if no accommodation is possible or if he's being uncooperative with that, then you can uh, stand your ground and make sure that he doesn't come back to work until he's able to do the, uh, to do the job. Yeah, it's, it's courier work, and uh, it, we're in and out of trucks. He's asked uh, to do less work in that sort of thing. It's hard for me to be able to say yes and offer him, you know, I, I don't want to say yes, but for less pay, but 
that an option? Yeah, I mean, certainly, if if you can show objectively that he is not able to do the job as as he was uh, in the past or as expected, yeah, then that can be a form of accommodation. Fine, we will allow you to continue work and do less work, but we're going to have to deal with the pay, at least for, for a period of time until you get better. Uh, absolutely, you can do that. But because we're treading uh, in, in, in some murky waters here because there, there is human rights legislation that at play, I would want to have a chat with you first and, and, and phrase a proper communication to this employee, a letter that keeps us on the right side of human rights legislation. So before you reach out to him and deal with that or try to cut his pay, give me a call off there. Let's put together something, a, a letter, an email uh, to, to the employee to make sure that you don't get in trouble unnecessarily. Fred, that number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's Lior's direct number. Everyone else, we're waiting on the phone lines. Got some open. Looking to talk to you after the break, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. The Employment Hour rolls on. 726, Wednesday evening, the Employment Hour continues here. Talk Radio AM 640 at 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got some lines open. And uh, Dean in Oshawa, thanks for uh, hanging through the break. How are you? Good. What's your question for Lior? Um, Back in the 80s, I worked for a uh, company that deducted uh, pension monies off of us. And um, I've long since left there, but I was contacted by a company that had taken them over, um, and they now are doing their pension stuff, um, getting it all caught up and straightened out. So they got a hold of me. This is a long time ago now. So they got a hold of me this past year, and um, the guy said to me, he said, so you have 32 and a half years of pension coming to you. And I corrected him and said, no, I only worked at the place for 10 years. I didn't, you know, I don't want to be charged with fraud. <laughs> so um, I... Um, then he said, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to sort this out. And they just left me hanging, and now it's been over um, four months, and I've called them back several times, and they keep telling me, oh, it's gone critical, it's gone this, it's gone that. They're just giving me a runaround. Um, so I don't know how many years they owe me or how much money they owe me or any of this. I'm over 55, so I'm assuming I can't just get a lump sum. I have no idea. They just won't talk to me anymore. Right. Well, you know, guess what? In this situation, when they won't talk to you, uh, sometimes we need to do what I like to call in very technical terms, give them a kick in the pants. <laughs> and well, the way we do you. Right, exactly. And, and you know, we, we're pretty good at that. And one of the ways we would do that, probably the easiest way, we'd simply send them a letter where, you know, we've been retained. You have to respond. You have until they, this date to respond. Obviously, if there's pension monies there, uh, with your name on it, then yeah, you, you're entitled to those monies. You know, it's a very unique situation. You, normally, those monies are dealt with when you leave the company. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity, any monies in the pension plan to, to take, and you can put them into an RSP or another financial uh, tool. But to the extent that that never happened, yeah, the, the money's still there. We can deal with that. So give me a call off air. Let me give them that proverbial uh, kick in the pants. It shouldn't be difficult to resolve. They probably just need some extra motivation to deal with this. Obviously, it's going back many years, so no one really feels like doing that. But hey, guess what? It's money. It's your money. So let's let's uh, take care of it. Yeah, they're the ones that contacted me, after all. Yeah, right. Well, they yeah, were first, yeah. right? And, and you know, good good on them for doing that, and then we should pursue it. So give me a call, and let's take care of it. That number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Got uh, Jim in Peterborough. Good evening, Jim. Hi. How are you? What's your concern? Yeah, I'm. I have two quick questions. First one is, if I get laid off and they give me a due date to come back, say three months, four months later, do I have to go back, or could I get another job and get severance pay? 
Very good question, and, and the answer is no, you don't have to go back. Well, before we do that, let me ask a couple of questions. Are you part of a union? No. Okay, good. So if you're not part of a union, because different rules apply to, to in a unionized environment, and if you have not been laid off before, have you been laid off before? Way back, like 20 years ago. I've been with the company 39 years. Okay, if it's 20 years ago, I'm not concerned about it. Given the fact that you haven't really been laid off, certainly not in the last 20 years, they don't have a right to lay you off, which means by virtue of them actually laying you off, that is a termination. So as soon as they've laid you off, you can treat that as a termination, get your severance and move on. So yes, you have an option. The option is to treat that as a termination, get severance, or to wait, continue working and go back when they call you. So that is your decision, but you have that option. But once you go back to work, that option is gone, of course. So you can, you, you can only deal with that right now. So uh, my, my advice is give me a call because I also want to help you calculate uh, severance. If you've been there 30 years or, or, wow. or so, then you're easily going to be owed two years' pay potentially, Jim. So that's a lot of money uh, that, that could be at stake here. Uh, so you may be looking at two years' severance versus going back to work. You'd have to decide what's best for you. But definitely give me a call. Let's talk about that off air, and let's see if it makes sense for you not to go back and get severance. Yeah, can I just ask you one more quick one? So I work for somebody who owns two companies, and I do work for both of them. I'm paid by one, but I work for both of them. Now, if he was to lay me off and went for severance pay, and he uh, bankruptcy that one company that I'm paid by, would you still be able to go after the other company to get my severance pay? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, it's what we call the common employer doctrine. In this situation, yes, we would be able to go after that second company. Your your legal rights are not going to just evaporate because one of the companies is gone. So absolutely, yes. Awesome. Awesome. So if something happens, I'll give you a call right away. You bet. Please do. Jim, that number, one 821 5900 We'll take a quick break. And to more of your calls, phone lines are wide, wide open. 416-870-6400, star 640 on yourself. 7.34, the Employment Hour Monday nights and Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock here and the weekend programming as well. Thanks for hanging through on the phone lines. Peter up in lovely Thornhill. Good evening. How are you, Peter? Great. And you, gentlemen? Excellent. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yeah. Um, there's rumors that possibly uh, the company I work for is for sa- uh, being sold. And I currently have a contract with them. If the new company that purchases them, do they have to offer me a new contract? No, the new company does not have to offer you a new contract. If they do not, then your position is terminated, and of course, you're entitled to severance. Now, even if they are going to offer you another job, you don't, you don't necessarily have to accept it. If you decide not to accept it, you're still going to get severance, although the reason as to why you didn't accept it, it will impact the severance. So if you have a good reason not to accept, maybe the job is different, less money, etc., then you're going to get your full severance. If there's no good reason, you just decided not to accept, maybe move on to a different opportunity, then you're going to get less severance. But the bottom line is they don't have to. And remember, though, if they do offer you a job and you continue working, they inherit your seniority, which is a good thing. Okay, great. Thank you. Peter, let me ask you something before you hang up. Is that just like an employment contract or is it a contract like with a fixed date, with a fixed end date? No, no, it's an employment contract. There you go, right, Leon? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what, what I told you applies. And if the sale happens, if the new company actually offers you a written employment contract, a written employment agreement to sign, give me a call before signing it. There could be terms in there Thank that you. are problematic. We should review that together. 416-870-6400, star 640 on the cell is the number. Got uh, Jay in Toronto. Good evening, Jay. 
Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, mate. You got a question hey, for Leor? Go ahead. I got a couple questions quickly. Mm-hmm. If, sure. Uh, you may. Yeah. Uh, one, what constitutes 60% of the work if you've been laid off? And two, um, if you've been temporarily laid off for a 35-week period because they're paying your benefits, when are you entitled to severance? Is it at the 35-week point? Um or is it when you leave the door? There's no return date on the ROE. It just says unknown. Yeah, so, yeah no, great question. So with respect to a, a layoff, uh, Jay, uh, the company, when they lay you off, you're the, the layoff itself is an act of termination. So by virtue of laying you off, you're entitled to severance. You don't have to wait 35 weeks. You don't have to wait three and a half weeks. So as soon as they lay you off, that is a termination. You can choose. You have the choice to treat that as a termination or wait and not treat it as a termination, and hopefully they'll call you back and go back to work. Now, uh, with respect to 50% of the work, it's, it's either uh, 50% of the job and you know what's the job or 50% less money. But we don't even need to be that technical because any significant change, frankly, even if they were to change your pay by 10%, that would be a constructive dismissal, which you can treat as a termination of employment. So we don't even need a full-blown layoff for it to be a termination. So as soon as an employer changes the terms of your employment, compensation-wise, work location-wise, responsibility-wise, you have the option of treating that as a termination. And a layoff, obviously, is, is a classic case of that. So you, if you have been laid off or someone you know has been laid, laid off, Jay, give me a call because once you go back to work, you've given up that right. And by going back to work after 35 weeks or however long it is, you've given them the right to do it again and again. And at that point, you won't have that choice. You won't be able to treat that as a termination. That won't be a good thing at all. Okay, thank you very much. You got it, Jay. No worries. Anytime you need to call Lior, it's uh, 1-855-821-5900. We're talking about, and this is something you sent me earlier today, about being on probation. Now, we're talking about employment probation here, right? Because we're a little scared otherwise. (laughs) That's a different show we'll do on on other kind of probation. That's right. Uh, But uh, yeah, back to the employment side of it. I'll just run through these and you can start answering them before we get into a break and get to more calls. Uh, What does it mean to be, quote unquote, on probation? Yeah, and you know, being on probation usually is what we consider a period of time at the beginning of the employment relationship that allows the employer to evaluate the employee, to evaluate whether the employee is a fit to the job, and of course allows the employee to decide whether they want to continue working for the employer. It's a trial period. You know, we, before we get married, let's date for a while. That's the idea. That's a probationary period. And a lot of employers now, when they hire an employee, they, they allocate a period of time for which, oh, during which the employee is going to be on probation. And what we want to talk about, if we have time, is the fact that, first of all, probation is not automatic. We'll talk about that. And, the, and number two is that even during the probationary period, if you lose your job, you actually may be entitled to severance and compensation. So th- those are important things for our listeners to know about. Is probation automatic any time an employer hires a new employee? You're automatically well, on no, probation? It's not. It's not at all. And a lot of employers and a lot of employees think that, yeah, well, if, if I'm hired the first three months or however yeah. long, it's probation. It's automatic. It's not the case. A probationary period is or has to be a creature of an employment agreement. So it doesn't exist unless it's created by an employment agreement. So the only way you're on probation, quote unquote, is if you signed an employment agreement that says for the first three months, say, you're on probation during that time, we'll evaluate you. So if that that's what the agreement says, then yes, you are on probation for the first three months. If it doesn't say that, or if you never signed an employment agreement, then you're not on probation. The law doesn't recognize that automatically. So it's very important for, for you to understand that you know an employment agreement creates probationary period. If there's no employment agreement that does that, 
then you're not on probation. Well, you said three months twice. So how long can it be? So generally speaking, a probationary period can be for any period of time. However, the, the employer is only allowed to let the employee go without compensation in the first three months. Ah. So to the extent that the employer wants to have a period of time during which they don't have to pay someone any severance if they let them go, that period of time can only be three months. So, And, and by the way, and that can only happen if the employment agreement specifically says that. For you to be able to let someone go in the first three months without paying them anything, you have to have an employment agreement that very clearly and very explicitly says that. In the first three months, we can let you go without compensation. You can't do that for three months and a day. After three months, even if someone is still quote-unquote on probation, you would still have to pay them severance if you let them go. So you can create up whatever period of time you want to evaluate someone, four months, six months, nine months. But it's only during the first 90 days, the first three months, that you can let someone go without severance. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lines are open. Can take more of your calls right up until close to 8 o'clock tonight here on the Employment Hour. Got uh, lines wide open here. Ready to take your calls. In the meantime, back to our uh, probation discussion. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You know, you mentioned three months probation. That's uh, that's as far as I can go without paying any severance. So what would be the point of putting somebody on probation for six months? Well, you know, if you want to give yourself uh, another period of time to evaluate uh, the employee, and in some cases you may say, I'm not going to put you on benefits until you pass the probationary uh-huh. period. Uh, you know, I'm not going to enroll you in all the plans or you're not going to get all the perks as an employee. Or even just so you know, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to be honest with the employee and make them, make them understand you're still evaluating them. There's, to be honest with you, there's really not that much value to have a, a long probationary period. Uh, an employer can simply stipulate in the agreement what they would have to pay if they, they let the employee go and follow it. But uh, a lot of employers do that. A lot of employers have a longer period of time. And where they often get in trouble is they say, maybe for six months, we can let you go without any compensation. And that's illegal. That's something you cannot do, which makes it unenforceable. And the reason why I'm harping on this whole three-month no-pay issue is because if your employment agreement doesn't say that, if your employment agreement doesn't say that in the first three months we can let you go without any compensation, and then you're still let go in the first three months, you're entitled to severance. And in fact, even after three months, you could be owed a few months severance. You could have worked for a company for three months, and depending on your age and the job you've had, you may be owed three months or four months, maybe even six months severance. So you have to be very watchful and mindful of that employment agreement. And there are definitely uh, situations where uh, employees get much, much severance, even though technically speaking, they're on probation. Uh, and uh, I've had many cases like that over the years. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Ray up in Barry. Good evening. How are you, Ray? Not too bad in yourself, sir. I'm excellent. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yes. I work in a seasonal company doing landscaping and shoreline restorations and that um, our employer, he, we do not get any overtime or anything after 40 hours or anything on our long weekends because he claims that because of the nature of the business, we are agriculturally zoned and therefore we are exempt from all that. And we're just kind of wondering a few of our employees, Matt, if that is true or not. So there's an exemption with respect to hours of work and overtime, et cetera, for ag- agricultural employees. So tell me more about what you guys do. Uh, we do a lot of hardscaping, uh, shoreline restorations, uh, big granite boulders. Uh, he owns a little nursery in that, too, where we sell flowers in that out of. But 99% of the stuff we do is with all big excavators and uh, 
we got dump trucks and all that kind of. There's more construction work that I was. Yeah, I was going to say it sounded more like construction. But here's the bad news: because if it is construction, th- there's also an exemption with respect to overtime, etc., for construction employees. So it does yeah. seem to me, Ray, like you would fall in one of the two categories. To me, you're probably more on the construction side than on the agricultural side. You're not a farmer, uh, so. Uh, but that said, because it's on the construction side, he is probably you know that he's he's right for the wrong reasons, in the sense that you, mm-hmm. you are exempt from overtime and and, and, and hours of work, uh, and uh, you're one of the few people you know uh, agricultural employees, professionals, uh, construction people that uh, don't have to get paid overtime as unfair as it is. Yeah. Well, okay. I appreciate your time. We were just kind of wondering. We heard your show tonight. We thought we'd pop in and, and hear from an expert. Excellent. Good call. We <laughs> appreciate you, Ray. that, appreciate uh, Ray. Anytime, yeah. by the way, you need uh, more questions outside the show hours, Ray, it's one 821 Talking about being on probation, um, is that something that uh, somebody, if they're hired away or induced by another employer to go to another job, they should not allow that to be put on the new contract? Because you're being hired away, right? Who, why would they put yeah. you on probation, right? And you, do you know how many times I've seen that someone is uh, working on a secure job, has no intention to leave, uh, get approached by a new company or a headhunter recruiter, uh, and eventually, after weeks or even months, convinced to leave, they're taking a big risk. They're leaving a secure mm-hmm. job to start a new one, and they sign an agreement with a probationary clause. My gosh, that that's awful! So you leave a secure job when you're not the one looking to leave to take a job with no security. Why would you ever, ever, right. ever do that? So there are situations, that being one of them, where you never want to agree to a probationary clause. If you are leaving a secure job to join a company. Please don't sign something that says you're on probation. Don't allow the employer to let you go without any compensation. If you're taking a risk, so should the employer. It should be a mutual thing. You're taking a risk of leaving a secure job. The employer should acknowledge that and not put you on probation. Uh, and, of course, by the way, John, if you are leaving a secure job, uh, you, you, you want to be mindful that if you uh, accept the job and then you lose that job, you may be owed enhanced severance that recognizes your past service with the previous company. Uh, a lot of uh, times we see that happen, and, and some people don't realize that that's what the law provides. Mike in Stouffville, before we get to a break, how are you, Mike? What's happening? Not too much, so. Oh, I'm okay. Lior's good. What do you got? Uh, you got some concerns? Go ahead. Uh, yes, I, I uh, worked heavy equipment for over 20 years, and uh, I got paid uh, overtime after 44 hours. I had a, you know, a work-related injury, and I just want to know they they transferred me to operating a, a tow truck, we'll say. And I, so somebody told me that after 60 hours is now they can start paying me overtime. Uh, is that uh, like a true or since i've been getting paid overtime after 44 hours or because they changed my job i can they they can pay me after 60 hours so what is the new job what are you going to be doing driving tow truck yeah no that 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 is not true that that is not true at all they they still would have to follow the 44 hours uh and then a change like that is a significant change if they were first of all it would be illegal and also obviously would mean less compensation for you so if your employer won't pay you overtime, yeah, you have to give me a call. Uh, hopefully, this is one that we don't have to pursue a constructive dismissal on. Perhaps just uh, reminding the, your employer of their legal obligations may be enough here. So no, they can't do that, Mike. They absolutely cannot. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, that number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Got uh, a couple minutes here. A few more minutes to take your calls. You want to throw them by four one six eight seven zero. 6400 star 640 on your cell. More of the Employment Hour coming right up. Talk radio.
AM 640. Yeah, about five minutes, eight o'clock, a few minutes here. We're talking our, uh, continuing rather our discussion on probation. So now flipping over the employer side, what can, what can an employer do if uh, it's not happy with the employer's performance during that probation term? That's obviously what the probationary period right. is there for, to help evaluate the employee. And from an employer standpoint, yeah, they have to take the time and evaluate the performance, uh, make sure that the person uh, is right for them. Because if you're going to make a commitment to an employee, obviously you have a right to have the right employee. So what does that mean? That means that you're going to watch them more carefully. Mm-hmm. That means you're going to ask other people uh, for their opinions and you're going to measure their performance and, and have a chat with them and measure their progress and ultimately make a decision. And if it turns out that the employee is not the right fit, you're not ready to, to, to get married, so to speak, then you can part ways. And if you've signed an agreement that allows you to part ways in the first 90 days without compensation, then you can do that. Obviously, you have to be fair. You have to be reasonable. You can't be arbitrary uh, and and, uh, completely uh, disregard what the person's actually doing. It has to be based on some real facts and and, and some real observations. But yeah, you can and you should as an employer uh, make a determination as to whether or not you want to continue working. And if it's not working out, better to deal with it now than down the road. Always mention the emails, uh, Leora at employmenthour.com. Got one from Joanne. She says, uh, I've, uh, I've been given two choices to reduce my hours significantly or relocate from Toronto to Barrie. What are my rights? Well, you know, th- that's not the only choices that, that you have. Uh, and if those are your choices, well, there's a third one. And the third one is you're going to do neither and you're going to treat your employment as being terminated and get your full severance. Your employer can't uh, change your compensation hours. Uh, that that's illegal. They also can't relocate you such a significant way. So both of those uh, options are actually illegal options, things that your employer can't do to you. That would be a constructive dismissal. You can treat that as a termination, leave and get your full severance. So you give me a call. Let's talk off air about it. These matters are not complicated. We can resolve that fairly quickly. So give me a shout off air and I'll be able to help you. Quickly, before we go, Beth says, uh, Leora talks about negotiating severance. My employer has given me an offer. They said, uh, it's good. That's all we're going to give you. We're not going to give you any more. She's like, what can I do? Yeah, and, and that's exactly what happens. You know, no employer is going to say, here's your severance package, but trust me, we'll pay you more anyway. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Your employer is going to tell you that's our offer and, and that's it. Take it or leave it. Guess what though? They don't get to decide how much they want to pay you. The law takes care of that for us. So if the law says you should get more, then you will get more irrespective of what your employer says or wants to do. Oftentimes we need to educate, quote unquote, the employers to their legal obligations. It's not complicated. So it doesn't matter to me what the employer says. It matters to me what the law says. And if the law says you should have more severance, you will get more severance. Give me a call. Don't be intimidated. Until next week, my friend, fantastic. A couple of numbers, a couple of things you should know. First of all, the number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That'll get you in touch with Lior straight away. The email, which I just used there, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. When you got about, I don't know, 30 seconds of your life, check out a really cool tool called severancepaycalculator.com. See what you really should be owed if you've lost your job. Till next time, the weekend. And again, Monday nights, we're back here as well. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640.